works. Town of Commercial Center, um, big city, not unknown to Paul. Paul spent three years there, three years there, uh, ministering to uh, and forming a, a baby church. Uh, the Jews were probably minorities there, and the Jews that were minorities are now further minorities because they're Christians. And so they needed encouragement. And I want us to take a look at the book of Ephesians as a, a perfection of the church, as, as a direction that uh, Paul's giving to uh, grow the church stronger. Let me read uh, the scripture for us. And by the way, the uh, italicized words chose and predestined are my italics. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoption as sons through, Christ, through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view toward to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing of all things in Christ, things in heaven and things in earth. Now, that's one paragraph. That's the way Paul writes. That's the way Paul writes. He doesn't, he's not like an infantry airborne ranger guy who's kind of cryptic and to the point. Uh, now, remember this game? Red Rover. Remember playing Red Rover as a kid? Two captains, chose teams, joined hands, called one over, tried to break through, break through. It was good to be Chosen. Remember how you felt to be chosen. Maybe it was a game of Red Rover or dodgeball, a little league baseball team, a high school team, or even a college sport. Maybe you remember being chosen at work, a promotion, special recognition. Now think for a moment, put yourself in the shoes of the Ephesians who are members of the church that Paul's writing to. Now think for a moment on being chosen by God by the God of the universe as his adopted son, before the foundation of the world to be rendered pure and holy in his sight, to receive an abundance of blessings through his son, Jesus Christ. Impressive, desirable, glad it's his choice and not mine. In his sovereignty and love, he saw that I was worthy of being adopted into his family. Now, if you were a member of that church, would you be encouraged? All who believe in Jesus Christ are his chosen. We are his choice. We are predestined by his grace and love to be his children. In my view, the Apostle Paul's intent in this part of Ephesians, this first part, was to encourage new believers. 
He wanted them to know that they were chosen and blessed. His intent was to encourage, not to confuse. Yet, Paul introduced the words chosen and predestination, and in his words come thoughts like, if I am chosen, are there others who are not? And what's my role in all this? This morning, I want you to think. I know it's early. Uh, let's take a closer but not a complete look at predestination. I want to prompt your thinking and reinforce your faith in a God that is sovereign and loving. So predestination, God's purposes and grace directed toward those whom he will ultimately save. The word predestined is a verb with God as a subject is used six times in the New Testament. The English word comes from the Latin predestino, which is used in the Vulgate. The Vulgate was the Bible that was used for a thousand years before the Reformation and before the King James Version came out. And it was used to translate the Greek word parosio, which means essentially to decide beforehand. Other words convey a similar idea to determine, to elect, to foreshadow. Here's another way to look at predestination. It's more words, it's more theological, it's more challenging to early morning attendees. But predestination is that aspect of coordination whereby the salvation of the believer is taken to be effected in accordance with the will of God, who has called and elected him in Christ unto life eternal. Does that sound like something Marty would write? Probably. Probably. So what's the doctrine? What's the doctrine of predestination? To begin with, it must be said that there seems to be no evading the doctrine of an election by grace. It's found both in the letter and the spirit of Scripture. The idea of predestination is set forth with great power and clearness in Romans 8, 28 through 30. Remember Romans? Last year, remember? Okay. Maybe these verses jumped out at you. But the idea is set out clearly with its elements or parts articulated in natural and striking form. The idea recurs in Ephesians 1, our scripture today, where it is finally said in verses 4 and 5 that God hath chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world, having predestined or ordained us unto adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. And where it is said further that our salvation imports, remember, the mystery of the will, of his will, according to his good pleasure, in verse 9, which he purposed in Christ. Now, let's take a closer look at some doctrine here. This is a tough subject. It's not an easy one. You know, it's, it's interesting. Dave asked me if I wanted to move the podium over so I could be in the spotlight, and I said, no, not really. <laughs> uh, but in terms of doctrine, God chooses who are his. Now, it's interesting, in the Bible, he does not declare who are not his. He doesn't say, listen, I've, I'm going to save Ralph, but I'm not going to save Matt. He doesn't say that. That's clear. God loves all men. Sin separates men from God. Man chooses to sin or believe that Christ saves him from all his sins. 
past, present, and future, and continuing sin. Now, God saved the whole world. Here's scripture that backs it up. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. This is John speaking. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, not only for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. And then John 3.16, for God so loved the world, for God so loved the world. God loves all men. Calvin, most people associate Calvin with election. Um, interesting, in reading Calvin, he's not nearly as an election focused as he is focused on the sovereignty and the love of God. And that's important to remember. Calvin said, man therefore falls God's providence so ordaining, but he falls by his own fault. Now, that sounds like doublespeak, doesn't it? Note in his teaching, Calvin insisted upon the fatherly love of God. You know, it's interesting. Calvin once preached 48 consecutive Sundays on Ephesians. 48. <laughs> you think Marty's bad and Daniel. God's character and specifically his sovereignty and love determines man's place in eternity. His plan not our logic. Sometimes our mind gets in the way. Mine does. Carries the day. So I want to leave plenty of time for discussion here, so I want to, I want to give you a couple thoughts here regarding predestination. We've introduced it, we've talked about some doctrine, but the fact of the matter is, in God's plan, through Christ in love, some are chosen and others are not. Now, how settling is that? I have three thoughts that I want you to think about, three additional thoughts. The first is we know in part, from, directly from Scripture. A necessary caution in view of the whole subject is that in the area of predestination, we inevitably know in part. The treatment of election has at times in Christian history been carried on as if we could tabulate or map the whole subject, as if you could grasp and understand who God was in his sovereignty and love. Can't. Where this has been done, the truth has sometimes been distorted. If you take election to its logical conclusion all the way out to the end of the spectrum. God died for some, Christ died for some, but not others. That's where you end up. Now, on the other hand, in free will, if you take that all the way out to the end, God is not omniscient. He's surprised because he doesn't know what we're going to do. Either place is not a place where you want to be. So where this is done, sometimes truth has been distorted. Fact is, your salvation and mine 
Joe's words, is a gift from an all-powerful God who loves us and made a way for us to be with him for eternity. For that fact, not feeling, not logical thought, I am grateful. Now here's an escape word that you can use. You can impress your friends with it. Um, it's antimony. I was introduced to it uh, when I was going to graduate school. And it's good when you get into areas such as predestination, the Trinity. Who can you grasp the Trinity? You understand the Trinity? Three persons in one, same God. You know, the Trinity is why we're not accepted in large measure by Islam, because we worship three gods and not one. And therefore, we're polytheistic, and polytheistic is heresy, and we can't be a member of Islam. That's just an aside. And God and man, and through Christ, fully at the same time. Philosophers and theologians have invented a term called antimony. Antimony is a concept such as predestination, where it's impossible to comprehend, but we can reverently apprehend. We can grasp it. We can grasp the essence of it. Honestly, I find the term, if not an outlet, if not an escape, comforting. Comforting. You don't need to understand everything about the God of the universe. First of all, it's impossible, and second, it's not your call. So remember, as a follow-on to the concept of antinomy, remember that God reveals himself in the Bible. That's your source. That's where you go. And the depth of his character is beyond our capacity to understand. In the context of predestination, I don't believe we can grasp the depth of his sovereignty and love. Let me say that again. I don't believe that we can grasp the depth of his sovereignty and his love. I firmly believe, though, that we, his chosen, can be both predestined and afforded personal choice. In a crude way, and remember, I'm not a theologian. I'm infantry by choice. <laughs> Ranger, airborne, the whole bit, speak in short sentences. Uh, in a crude way, we can be in a room and be drawn, pulled to a door that has on it this statement. Open this door and you will receive eternal life and blessings in abundance. And upon opening that door, as our own choice, we will read on the other side of the door, welcome, I knew you would choose to enter. Your sins are forgiven, and you will be my son for eternity. Amen. So, discussion questions. Think about a time you were chosen and how it made you feel. You may need to go back a little bit because sometimes you were chosen not for good things. I understand that. <laughs> but most of the time, being chosen was a good thing. Share a thought or two with your table mates. Do you sometimes think about predestination election and your salvation? Share some of your thoughts. Certainly it's crossed your mind. I mean, all you need to do, you know, we came, we drove home 
couple nights ago and the moon was full. And I was drawn to the fact that God, you created that. <laughs> Mind boggling. Um, you're sovereign. Is the concept of itinomy new to you? Does it make sense? Does it give you comfort? Is it an out? Remember in question four, God's character cannot be fully understood. For example, who can know the extent of his sovereignty or the depth of his love? If you do see me after, I'd like to, I'd like to hear it. Um, how does our sometimes limited view of who God is affect our relationship with him? You ever thought about a relationship? A relationship means that you have something that you bring to the table and something that the person that you're talking to you want to get that's going to be of interest to you. What do we have of interest to the God of the universe? And yet we talk sometimes easily about having a relationship with the creator God, but we do through Christ because of his sovereignty and his love. Now, the last question is both a question and a, and a statement. Honestly, was this lesson a bit too much? Is it beyond where you want to be? Is it beyond your comfort zone? Is it beyond where you want to talk about? But if it is, I would say you still have the question of how do you handle the tough questions of your faith? You know, I say sometimes too easily, I think, that I live my faith in the present tense. You know, I'm here today by God's grace, and he's called me to grasp who he is today because he knows I can't handle yesterday and I can't handle tomorrow. You know, and that's okay. But the fact of the matter is, because you're his, you still need to be able to handle the tough questions. So, being chosen before the foundation of the world and be elect, being elected by him, predestined by him to be his adopted son. Where does that take you? Where does that leave you? Hopefully it leaves you firmer in your belief in the God of the universe who created the moon and the stars and who, wonder of all wonders, loves you and I as well. Thank you very much.